0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Saludos, salient sailors sailing in the saline sea of salami. This is Good Job Brand, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 239, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your hodgepodge of hollering holograms hot for hot toddies.
2: I'm Colin. And I'm Chris.
1: Uh, We are recording this uh, Friday night, which is something we don't usually do.
0: Getting a little loose over here. Karen, Karen's pounding some kombucha. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's who knows what's gonna happen. It's it's hard kombucha.
1: Oh, there's no such thing as easy
3: kombucha.
0: <laughs>
1: Without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz. Hot shot. Here I have a random trivial pursuit card from the box. You guys have your barnyard buzzers buzzing with the right answers, and here we go. Blue edge for geography. Which Russian leader did poet Robert Frost meet in Crimea in 1962 to mend fences with during the Cold War?
0: Hmm. Robert Frost. 1962.
1: Okay. Chris. Gorbachev? No. No. Before. No. Before. Colin. Khrushchev. Yes!
4: Mm. Yes! Okay. All
1: right. Do You
0: know what his first name is. Um. Yeah, Nikita. you know it's in it's in yes. the uh, yeah. There we go. It's in the punch Nikita. bowl. I was gonna stall until it uh, floated at the top, but uh thank you. I'm thank just you, gonna Chris. jump yeah. right on top of that. Yep. Yeah, no just problem. Fish it right out of there for mm-hmm. me. Appreciate it. No
2: need to let you flail and struggle. <laughs> I've got your first here. name right here. Uh, yeah. Oh, his
0: first name. You know, that's interesting that you ask his first name, Karen, because as you know, it comes before his last name, and. Pink Wedge,
1: which MTV reality show features Ashton Kutcher pranking celebrities? Oh. Uh, Chris. Punk apostrophe D. Yes. punk punk Punked. Yellow Wedge, in what year did the Supreme Court make it legal for interracial marriages to take place? Ooh. Multiple choice. Oh, okay. Choice. okay. 1867, 1927, or
0: 1967? Colin. I believe that was the last one, 1967, right? Loving loving the Virginia. Yes, I was just going to
1: ask, do you know what what, what the case was? Uh, Loving, the last name, their last name is Loving Mm -hmm. versus Virginia State. 1967, not that long ago. Not that long ago. No. Purple Wedge, which actress whose TV character was the opposite of otherworldly, wrote a sci-fi novel in 2014 titled A Vision of Fire? Oh gosh! Okay, the all right. TV character. TV. The, Wait, sorry. Which actress? Uh-huh. Which uh-huh. TV, TV character.
2: TV character was the uh-huh. opposite of. A, so she wasn't an alien. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, what I does don't, that mean? Yes. Like, or she's uh, really plain. Or she? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's super down to earth. Like she's yeah, and what? And she wrote a novel.
1: Sci-fi novel in 2014 titled "A Vision of Fire." Interesting. I haven't hmm. seen the answer. I'm going to see the answer now. Ah. Is it uh,
2: Roseanne Barr Arnold?
1: No, Roseanne. no, no. Okay, the, you know what? The initial feel of the question was right. All right, not an alien. She's not an alien, which okay. means she was probably in a show that okay. deals with aliens. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay.
2: It's, it's probably not like the mom from Elf. It's probably not, could it be somebody from Third Rock from the Sun who was not an alien? Boo,
1: Man.
0: boo, boo, boo. Oh, oh, oh. Boo. Yes. Actress, please. Is it Jillian uh, uh, Anderson? Correct. Huh. Who is Scully from the X-Files. Right, hmm. right, right.
1: All right. Green Wedge. The term anosmia refers to the yeah. loss of which mm. of the five senses? <laughs> Chris. Smell. Smell. Yeah. His nose
2: is right in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. A nose. Mm-hmm. No nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question. Orange Wedge. Which U.K. department store has doormen called carriage attendants who wear green and gold uniforms? Colin.
0: That has got to be Harrods.
1: I cannot name another
0: <laughs> famous U.K. department. Selfridge? I think that's one. Certainly, yeah. not Certainly not one more famous than Harrods. Yeah.
1: All right. Good job, Brains. Hey. So this week I was brainstorming uh, about a bunch of things. and I was like, oh accessory it it can apply to so many things fashion (laughs) accessories peripherals or dongles of tech uh, accessories to crime so i'm super curious what you guys are doing Uh, mine is pretty weird so this week accessories pull it all together
0: My mind immediately went to toys and toy accessories, but this quiz is not is not about Star Wars figures or Transformers or even Chris's favorite He-Man. Um, oh, no, I have assembled for you two a quiz all about Barbie and Barbie oh. accessories. I see, I see. Now, this is not just about Barbie accessories. But I've got a special emphasis on misfires and recalls and other assorted Barbie uh, universe controversies. (laughs) This will be a write down quiz. Uh, There will be points awarded on every question, uh, starting with the correct answer. And then to most correct. uh, And then if neither of you are particularly close, I will award a point to my favorite answer. It is anybody's game here. Here we go. Spanning the years, the decades. Barbie has been around for a very long time. We got, uh, I learned a lot assembling this quiz. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that at the top here. All right, here we go. First question. In 2006, Mattel released the Barbie and Tanner set. The next year... It was recalled from stores after complaints about loose magnets in the accessories for this kit. For two points, (laughs) who or what is Tanner in Barbie and Tanner? (laughs) And what was the magnet-powered accessory that caused all these problems?
1: In what year was this?
0: This was 2006. Barbie and Tanner. Yeah. Who or what is Tanner? And what was the accessory? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
1: (sighs) Tanner is such an all-purpose name. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It can be anything. It really could. It really could. Were were people like swallowing them? Because like Mm -hmm. buckyballs got recalled. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Answers up. Answers up. Karen says, uh, Tanner is a dog and the accessory is a dog collar. Chris says, Ooh, Tanner was a horse (laughs) and the accessories were magnetic horseshoes. Ooh. It's
2: like Barbie learns how to shoe a horse. You know what I mean? She's (laughs) pounding the nails in or it's got the magnets.
1: Instead of the Barbie dream house, it's the
0: Barbie dream stable. Kind of like my little pony stable. That would absolutely, man. Great, great answers tanner was in fact barbie's dog so point point to karen point to karen there and the the problematic accessory was so you know it it came with a dog and other dog related oh my god is it poop it was a little magnetic poop scooper that barbie held and so she had a little stick it was magnetic on the end and it came with little you know you were supposed to pick up Tanner's tiny little magnetic <laughs> doggy turd, basically. And parents, uh, apparently, some parents said that the magnets could come loose. Not clear if anybody actually swallowed them, but yeah, that was kind of the concern was, hey, we cannot have these little... So it, magnetic... is, a, it,
2: it is a buckyball sort of situation, basically.
0: I mean, and if I was a kid, I would I would put, put a little head, doggy yeah. turds in my mouth. Sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, it, hey, so. you know, yeah, like a okay. little brown TikTok. Don't put magnets and, but, yeah. in your mouth, kids. Yeah, please, seriously, do not it's, put magnets in your mouth. Teenagers. kids, yeah it is yeah for real for real all right <laughs> so uh we'll give uh two points to karen there for a <gasps> oh, dog and dog you. collar all right in 1992 okay mattel released teen talk barbie oh, teen no. talk barbie mm-hmm. this this was actually uh this one you you might have remember you might remember this one i do uh, teen talk barbie rubbed many parents and educators the wrong way mm-hmm. for what reason? Why why did Teen Talk Barbie uh, get 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 on the wrong side of uh, authority figures? When you are ready, you emphasize the word "rub." Uh, don't read too much into okay. it. Chris Chris seems pretty confident here. Yes, yeah, this one was in the news. Kind of uh, turned some people off. All right, answers up. When you are ready, okay. Chris. Says Chris says, All right, first,
2: uh, top three joke answers to this. Uh, number one, <laughs> um, spelled out all of the ingredients and in how to make a Molotov cocktail. Um, <laughs> number two, wished for the reformation of the USSR. Number three, <laughs> I don't know. No, the actual answer is, um, when, when button was pressed, Barbie said, Math is
0: tough. What 100 percent correct? Yes, Math that's is right. Tough. Parents, teachers were, were really not happy with this. I mean, for one reason, you don't want to be coming down on math. Uh, but for two, it also kind of played into the stereotype of, you know, Barbie and kind of girls in general maybe yeah, not being good at I math. the wrong way. It, yeah, yeah. Mattel actually eventually allowed parents to exchange... Their Barbies if they were not happy with it for a version that did not have the uh, math is tough phrase. Oh, So they did release her. another version, mm-hmm. not like yep. exchange it for another Barbie. Yeah. Mattel's president at the time, uh, she said, in hindsight, the phrase math class is tough. While correct for many students, both male and female should not have been included. Mm. Math class is
2: tough. math class is tough. Yeah
0: in 1961 Barbie was gifted a very special accessory by the name of Ken uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she, yeah yeah I get the yeah good. yeah she, she didn't have a boyfriend for those first couple of years there uh, I actually I learned as an aside here I didn't know that in the in the Barbie universe did you know Barbie and Ken broke up for a few years there uh, no. in, in the early 2000s yeah uh, really? Barbie and Ken broke up and Barbie was you know, uh, rumor, rumored to be uh, kind of caught the eye of a uh, Australian boogie boarder named Blaine in the Barbie universe. A lot of drama. Um, yeah, Ken and Barbie they did eventually get back together a few years yeah. later. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can't stay you can't stay away from Ken forever.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, she found out that Blaine didn't have genitals either, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, when I was a kid, I noticed that they didn't have gels and I would draw them in with the marks.
2: Good for you. Good for you. Fixing what uh, what
0: Mattel would not. All right. So uh, there's a question buried in here somewhere, I promise. Um, so here, here is the question for you guys. All right. The original Ken uh, was redesigned to address a problematic part of his body. Okay. What part of Ken's body was redesigned oh. after the original release of the doll? And you're not, you're not telling us why. I am not telling you why. You can s- speculate on why. If you look up a photo of the original Ken, l- l- let's just say modern day Ken looks a lot cooler than original flavor Ken. I'm just, I'll just say that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Answers okay. up. Answers up. Karen says they redesigned Ken's hair. Chris says they redesigned Ken's belly button. Oh, that's good. Right. They, they, they ended up revealed that he was not a clone. Um, Karen, right on the money. It was his hair. It was his hair apparently. So, and you can see this in some of the, uh, the pictures. So Ken, the original Ken doll, the hair was a separate piece glued on top of his head. All right. Oh. Okay. And, uh, it kind of came off a little bit too easy and, and Ken would look a little kind of scruffy there with his uh, hair head uh, mm-hmm. pulled off. But Was it, was it like Barbie where it's like
1: strands of hair?
0: No, it kind of it looked like plastic. It kind of looked more like a, like a, like a, like a, like a Brillo pad, honestly. <laughs> so they redesigned Ken's hair to basically just be, it was just molded into his head and they just painted yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it didn't, didn't come off anymore. Yeah. All right, moving right along here to 1975. Now of course, beyond Barbie and Ken, the the universe started getting bigger and bigger with Barbie's friends and you know, family members, uh, including Skipper. There have been many versions of Skipper over the yes. years. 1975 saw the debut of growing up Skipper, oh, which no. was rather quickly discontinued because oh, oh, of God. what controversial feature. Growing up skipper. Not available for very long. Feature on the doll? Yes. Yes. Okay. What? Yes. Not, what? not
1: like an, a feature with a accessory. That's mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the doll did something or it was not your ordinary skipper. All right. Answers up when you are ready. Chris says <laughs> boobs, inflated, deflated, deflated, <laughs> Karen has just written <laughs> boobs. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, both the point on that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I'll give Chris a, a half point here, maybe. This is uh, the first time
1: I'm yeah. writing boobs, like <laughs> not on a calculator.
0: Growing up, Skipper was advertised as, quote, two dolls in one because you could make Skipper, oh my quote, God. grow from a young girl to a teenager in seconds. And in practice, how this worked was if you rotated her arm, her waist got longer and her boobs got bigger. Yes, I I am not making this up. Maybe understandably, again, many parents said, no, this is not really appropriate. We do not want to see growing up Skipper, perhaps too many conversations we're not ready to have. So yeah, growing up Skipper, uh, discontinued. Uh, if you happen to have one on your shelf somewhere, probably worth a lot of money. This sounds like this is some really good
1: engineering for that time in the toy industry.
0: You know, it's it's really true. Yeah, you go back and, and you read uh, almost any of these like action figure and doll lines like the G.I. Joes or the Barbies or, or you know, or, uh, you know, again, I alluded to the He-Man figures later on. They had some really, really good. Good construction and good design. Yeah, it was, it was serious business. Barbie herself uh, has had many careers over the decades. Uh, you know, all these careers, just so many opportunities for accessories. I mean, she's been everything from an astronaut to a doctor to a chef. In 2010, Barbie became a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, Mattel released a Barbie book entitled Barbie. I can be a computer engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, again, keeping with the theme here, Mattel eventually had to discontinue this book. They pulled it from stores after complaints. What? Why was the book, Barbie, I can be a computer engineer, controversial? What what caused, again, what rubbed people the wrong way? <laughs> I'm just going to say sometimes people, companies, companies, you fall into the same traps over and over again. You know what I mean? Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Answers up. Let's see what we got here. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to see what you guys got on this one here. All right. Chris says, "Barbie was shown mishandling classified <laughs> documents." <laughs> Karen has written sexist workplace. Oh. I'm gonna give Karen the point oh, there. I'm
1: just guessing. I'm gonna give
0: Karen the point <laughs> oh, there. Oh, that's
1: unfortunate. Um,
0: yeah, actually, so the book was actually available for for a little while here before it surfaced uh, on the internet. Of course, in the book, talking about being a computer engineer, Barbie says, "quote I'm only creating the design ideas." I'll need Stevens and Brian's help to turn it into a real game.
2: Oh, I feel like no. I heard about this, but, oh, that's so much worse than I remember. It's,
0: it's almost like they're going out of their way not to learn the lesson here. It's <laughs> like, come on, this is meant to be an empowering toy or yeah. at least neutral. You, 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 we're, we're not going backward here. 2010. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like th- they pulled it. There was an ebook version on, uh, you know, Amazon pulled that one. Couldn't buy it anymore. Yeah. Get back to the drawing board. They're trying. They're trying. In 2002, retail giant Walmart refused to stock. It didn't even reach the recall (laughs) stage. Walmart said, we will not sell a Barbie set from the Happy Family collection featuring Barbie's best friend, Midge. Mm-hmm. All right. Who had oh. been in, I guess, some other collections She's earlier. In, yeah. 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 They, she, she had been well established. Uh, why were Walmart and many parents, I might add, upset with this Midge? What did Midge do? What was their problem with Midge in the Happy Family collection? Oh. It was an idea that Mattel thought was good enough to make mm-hmm. and Walmart thought was not good enough to sell. And it was ultimately discontinued uh, maybe in no small part because Walmart okay. wouldn't sell it. All right. Oh. Answers up. Karen says pregnant. Chris says Midge was great with child. Yes. uh, Yeah, you guys both got the right answer there. Um, uh, First of all, I want to emphasize Midge was married. Uh, Her husband, Alan, was part of the Happy Family collection. Um, uh, In the Happy, it was mommy and baby. And Midge was pregnant. (gasps) Does the baby come out? With a removable baby. Yes. You could pull the baby out of Midge's Belly, womb, body. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then it was an infant. And in the collection, Barbie was Dr. Barbie. So you could take oh. the infant to Dr. Barbie, you know, for infant checkups. Uh-huh. But Walmart and many parents felt yeah. that Midge looked too young to be having oh, a baby. Okay, okay, okay. And they were concerned that it could be taken as a depiction of teen pregnancy yeah. and said we're not going to stock it we're not going to dance on that line I-, I see now
2: i thought it was the tiny plastic uh, placenta that was in me it.
0: too
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i little, figured that little, was
0: gonna yeah, be the thing that little not rubber band the umbilical cord mm-hmm. so yeah magnets umbilical the magnets cord.
2: on the placenta yeah exactly
0: yeah well they would stick to the doggy turds you don't want that right? yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not sanitary okay we're gonna we're gonna wind the quiz down here. I got a couple here that are uh, maybe not so much about the accessories themselves, but uh, I'm gonna give you guys a chance to do some closest closest to the mark here kind of questions. All right 2020 was a presidential election year, and not for the first time, Barbie ran for president. This is gonna be a closest to the mark question here. How many times
4: has oh. Barbie
0: run for president? <laughs> I will say they do theme it with presidential election years. 2020 was not the first time. So at least two. How many times has Barbie run for president?
4: Hmm.
0: All right. Chris and Karen. Karen says three times. Chris says 10 times. Barbie has been on the ticket. Seven times oh. since 1992. So a point to Chris. Very tight oh, game wow. here. Uh, the fir- Yeah. So the first time Barbie ran for president was 92, perhaps uh, stung by her defeat. She sat out the 96 election, uh, <laughs> but came back strong uh, with a renewed sense of purpose in 2000 and has run uh, every four years. Yeah, oh, since 2000. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow.
0: All right. Final point on the line. We'll we'll, we'll frame this last question as kind of a mini version of one of my favorite personal segments from Good Job Brain, uh, Brad Pitt or Lasers. The the format of this question is going to be a Which Came First? All right. Mm -hmm. Um, Featuring some bona fide American classics here. And I would say, in my opinion, Barbie's most glamorous accessory. Which Came First? Barbie's. Little Pink Corvette or the Prince single, Little Red Red Corvette. Corvette.
1: (laughs) Did she have other cars too?
0: There is a rich history of Barbie's cars. Yeah. Over the years she has had, she's had multiple Corvettes. First of all, she's had a Ferrari. She's had a Porsche. She's had a Mercedes Benz. She's had a Jeep. She's got, I mean, yeah, she's Barbie rides in style. All right. Which came first? Little, red Corvette. I have Little Red Corvette trivia, which I can tell you after. <laughs> Chris has written... Oh, oh, here we go. Chris has written Barbie Pink Corvette. Karen has written Prince. All right, I love it. We got the showdown. Mm. Prince's Little Red Corvette released as a single mm-hmm. in 1983, mm-hmm. taken from the album 1999, which was <laughs> released in 1982. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the single released the following sense. year. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Barbie's star vet debuted in 1976. 1976 was barbie's first corvette oh so closer
2: than i thought i thought that i thought the corvette was maybe even earlier but i guess not
0: yeah it was closer than i thought Yeah. yeah and and i should say here it was strictly speaking not pink 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 it was purple and pink but you know close enough here they they are generally pink when they when they give them to her all right. Well, we tied it up there. Uh, Chris, right. good job. Pulled it out at the end. You guys know your Barbie. You know your dog turds. You know your Corvettes. <laughs> you know You know your growing up skipper. Um, and perhaps you two can someday go work for Mattel and have a Barbie accessory that is recalled or controversial. <laughs> I think that would
1: be really cool. I remember there's a Barbie that, that can suntan.
0: Oh, yeah, like yeah. A- one of the Barbies I read about, uh, there was a hair color changing Barbie, and you could if you if you dipped her hair in like a like a, a weak oh, vinegar like a solution, litmus test. Yeah, it was really pretty neat. A <laughs> uh,
2: little red Corvette trivia, which I promised you, Karen. You probably know that the Stevie Nicks song "Stand Back." Um, yes, maybe Colin, you know this too. I mean, Karen, I know we we've, we've, we've heard it in concert live. Sure, live. So, um, Stevie Nicks was listening to little red Corvette and she started singing the lyrics. She started improvising the lyrics to stand back over little red Corvette. And in fact, really? you go and just listen to little red Corvette and just have the stand back lyrics in front of you. You can just, you can just sing, stand back along to little red Corvette. And she, once she had done this, she called Prince. Cause obviously they know each other and was like, listen, <laughs> I did this. What do you think? And he's like, that's, That's awesome. I'll come and play the synthesizers. <gasps> so it's Prince on the synthesizers ah. and stand back is credited to Stevie Nicks and Prince for the I did for the, not for the know melody. That. Yeah, that
1: is, he's just like I'll head over. He's like, yeah, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back.
3: So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, 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 hey. Uh, That's terrible. That's (laughs) great. That's great. (laughs) You just bailed out almost immediately. (laughs) Well... You are listening to Good Job, Brain. This week, we're talking about accessories. So I have a story. This happened in 1996. You know, the tail end of the 1900s. <laughs> 1996. A man was driving on his way to visit his lady friend. It was a beautiful day surrounded by beautiful landscape. He realizes, like, oh, man, what a great photo op. You see, he was a working photographer, so he actually had cameras like in his car. So he parked the car and he loaded up film, (laughs) physical (laughs) film into his camera, snapped a few shots, then went on his merry way. Little did he know that one of those photos would become what is now widely considered as the most viewed photograph in the history of humankind. Oh! <laughs> Can you guess what photograph this is?
2: What do we know from this story? Where, where was this person?
0: I'm not you saying it. He
2: was just—he was—he was driving around somewhere. He
0: took a picture outside. I, I have a guess, Karen. I feel really good about it. Okay. Okay. But okay. I'll, I'll wait. Chris, I'll you let, want to come I'll up like with the I'll guess? Let's like chew on it. I like let chew on it
2: yeah i'm trying to think of like what would be a photograph that would be used so much and just seen everywhere is it something is it like oh geez like something that's on like a a computer screen saver or something like
0: that is it the green and blue photo of the windows background the desktop background It is, oh, it is.
1: Okay. more commonly known as the default Windows XP wallpaper.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, wow.
1: The photograph has a name. It's called Bliss because you know, uh, uh, right?
0: it's very peaceful
1: classic rolling low green hills mm-hmm. bright blue sky a couple of clouds like moving like you know, kind of like streaking across uh, the sky uh, anyone and everyone who interacted with a computer in the 2000s seriously the image was used pretty much in all of microsoft's branding their advertising yeah their yeah, marketing. yeah yeah
0: like when they have a picture of, a, of like a machine running windows they they've it's yes, little picture. commercials, yeah. billboards,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was this photo of this landscape. Now, today's show is all about accessories, and it got me thinking about like, oh, you know, accessories in like the digital space. Things that we can do to like customize our and accessorize like our, our digital experience. We change our background colors or we choose a profile avatar image. But like no matter what we do digitally, we have to interact with a screen, <laughs> right. And so I was kind of inspired by, by this thought to look into wallpapers, digital wallpapers, oh. um, which I feel like is kind of like a virtual accessory. Pop quiz. What wallpaper do you currently have on your desktop or phone?
0: On my phone, I have the movie poster from the uh, movie Metropolis. Oh, the classic! Very Colin Fritz Lang. Yeah, it is. It is very Colin. It's the android that C three PO. The design was very famously kind of inspired by my my desktop.
1: Is I just only set the color. It's good job, bright orange. Uh, but on my phone, I have my husband's sixth grade class photo <laughs> in the peak '90s because he's wearing a Chicago Bulls shirt with that blue and
0: white kind of dappled <laughs> background that just screams school <laughs> yeah. photo.
2: I had to check because I couldn't remember, and it's just the default iOS no! lock screen.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like, actually. It's a picture of growing up Skipper. Why do you have that,
2: Chris? Well, it was supposed to be a gif, but...
1: (laughs) Okay, so back to this photograph titled Bliss. I have some answers for questions that you guys might have. For example, who was this guy? Who's this guy who took this photo? Well, his name is Charles O'Rear. He not only is a professional photographer, but he used to work for National Geographic. And it brings us to the next question that a lot of people have is, is this image real? Is it real? And and if so, where is it? How can anything be this idyllic? Charles O'Rear, he confirmed and really emphasized that he took the photo. He didn't do anything to it. Hmm. Um, He just took the photo and that's what developed so even with film camera, you know, you can do a lot of like manipulation, right? In the dark room. You're like burning and you're dodging, you're making darks mm-hmm. look darker. And he said that he didn't do any of that. That's just right
0: yeah. how he took the shot.
1: If this is real, then where is this place? It's hard to believe it is literally one hour away from us. Uh-huh. In Sonoma, California. Uh-huh. Sonoma. Uh-huh wine country yeah driven through there several times you can go visit those hills today now it's used as a vineyard so it's covered in (laughs) rows of gnarly Mm grapevines but when charles was there it was just a, a ideal combination of a lot of factors first of all that hill was covered in grass. Before then, it was a vineyard. Um, a couple years before Charles got there, the vines had had a pest infestation. So they had to pull all the vines out, which left that hill naked. Mm. So it became this untouched, grassy hill. Secondly, it recently had rained. So all the grass was like super lush, super mm. green. Um, and thirdly, the weather was just so good. A bit of cloud, the lighting, the the, the blue of the sky, it was just like a perfect combination. So how did this photograph get Microsoft's attention? How did Microsoft you know, even learn about this photograph? So at the time, Charles was uh, actually working on a photo book um, about wine country. Obviously, he wasn't going to use his photo because it was like a v- vineless hill. Right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah, going to be included yeah. in his book. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to make this photo available onto a stock photo service, right? So that people uh-huh. or companies, they could pay for the license and use that photo
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for like commercial purposes. So there are reports saying that, that the stock photo service that Charles used was actually owned by Bill Gates. And so that maybe the XP team was like sourcing photos from that stock photo service mm. because it was all kind of in the family. XP team is like, this is it. We want this photo They got in touch with Charles, and it's not like, oh, they just want to buy a license to use the photo. Microsoft wanted to own
0: complete rights. Uh, Exclusive.
2: Much better, much better to simply, when you have infinite money, get it, lock it down, throw the money at it, and then never have to worry about licensing ever again.
1: So how much did Microsoft pay? Oh. We don't really know. Uh,
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Charles, uh, Charles Arrear, he had to sign a, a confidentiality agreement. So again, Charles used film for this photograph. So it's not like they can just download the photo onto their computer. Like a big part of Microsoft owning the rights meant that they have to have the physical film,
0: right. the physical they, they negative. those negatives. Yeah. Yep. yeah.
1: But due to the reported value or what Microsoft was going to pay Charles, the shipping companies wouldn't mail it because of insurance. <laughs> oh, so this okay. is how <laughs> All right, okay. All right. so this is how people know like it has to be at least
0: six digits. Right, right. If if they're gonna balk at the insurance Simply, on the, yeah, it, right? Not <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> right. Wow. Yep.
1: Microsoft flew
0: Charles
1: with the negatives yeah. to the office. So
2: that's, that's nothing. It costs nothing. Yeah. When you're when you're talking about when you're talking about spending a million dollars in the photo, you spend an extra three hundred dollars with the guy in an airplane <laughs> to buy you're the like, plane <laughs> ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: From San Francisco to Seattle, it's like that's not like even transaction that far. Fees. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. It certainly is not the most expensive photograph to be purchased. I've seen photographs like at auction houses; they they get sold for like millions and millions. Yeah. And millions. Yeah. Right, yeah. Maybe it's not the most expensive, but it definitely is the most viewed. In closing the segment out, I have a few mind blowing facts about photographs in general. So, the first photograph ever taken was in France oh. in 1826. Out of all the photos taken from 1826 to now 2022, one third of them were
0: taken in the last three years.
2: Oh, okay. Sure. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Yep
0: practically every person has a camera on them at all times now, right? I mean, anybody over the age of 12. (laughs)
2: Even, you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't just take your phone and just be constantly taking pictures all the time. 'Cause you'd fill up the space on your on your iPhone yeah. three or whatever. Yeah, it was.
0: Right, right. Right. But now right.
2: a photo is like a photo is takes up so little space that they have to like add stuff to photos to get them to take up more space. Live. Live yeah, photos. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Panoramic.
3: Yeah. 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 So now yeah, it's yeah. just
2: like it's just nothing. You can't fill up your phone by taking photos. It would be it would be ridiculous. So yeah, you can just yeah. do whatever you want.
1: One third of all photos ever taken in the history happened within the last three years. Mm-hmm. That is um, actually
0: pretty staggering to think yeah. about. Yeah, it is. It is.
1: Here's a trivia question for you. Users share the most images on what app? 6.9 billion photos per day. Wow.
2: Chris, I'm going to say based on number of users and the fact that you can just sort of upload like batches of photos and it kind of encourages that, I'm going to say
1: Facebook.
0: Oh, it
1: is not Facebook.
0: Okay. Colin. Man, I'm torn. I was going to say, I go back and forth, line or WhatsApp. I was going to guess. It is WhatsApp.
1: And the last fact is the average user has around 2,100 photos on their smartphone.
0: Wow. I'm curious. I'm going
1: to look. Let's check.
0: Let me see.
1: Okay. Well, there's also like screenshots too. I take a lot of screenshots. Okay. Let's minus the screenshots, minus the videos, 23. (laughs) Thousand. <laughs> so the average say average is twenty one hundred. I have twenty three
0: thousand. Six thousand one hundred. Eight 15,689
1: how, how Wow! wow. Yeah. average user 2100 you know <laughs> it's because we
0: have kids yeah exactly yep. it's the kids that's exactly it, what it is we have
2: a uh, an app that uh, my, my son uses when he brushes his teeth it makes sure that he's brushing because it follows the motion of the no toothbrush. way yeah 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 and then at the end it's like take your picture now that you're done brushing your teeth and it puts a little <laughs> fake it puts a little hat on you and you earn more hats by brushing your teeth so like it AR it, 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 is a little hat on you and i'm looking at my photo albums now i have 550 <laughs> pictures of my kid who was just brushed his teeth
1: hello everyone you may recognize me as gabby from the history of everything podcast and my name is Bruna. and you don't recognize me from anything yet together we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast mystery of everything everything has an explanation Anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts.
2: All right, folks. Yes. Accessories, accessories, accessories. What could I possibly be talking about? Well, let's begin in December of 1989 and let's take a little trip to the movies. December 1989, it turns out, big month for for big movies. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Was oh, out. Um, Back to the Future Part Two was in theaters. Oh, wow! The Little Mermaid was in was in theaters. Oh. Those were three of the biggest. Look Who's Talking was actually still in. Remember that one? With, I, we must have spent a lot of time in the theater during the, like the Christmas season because like I saw all those movies in the theater
1: in the theaters. Yes.
2: <laughs> but today I want to start us off with a little clip from the fifteenth biggest <laughs> <in> <laughs> box office dollars movie. Of December, nineteen eighty nine. Let's roll that clip. What is that? Fire from the gods. I don't know.
1: Power glove. Oh. <laughs>
3: I love the power glove. It's so bad.
2: (laughs) It's so bad. His eyes are burning a hole through Jenny Lewis in this scene. Um, Oh man. The incredibly, incredibly memorable scene from the 1989 film. The Wizard. The Wizard. About a a young boy who travels across the country to attend a fictitious uh, Nintendo tournament. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, The Wizard, Fred Savage, Jenny Lewis released on December 15th, 1989. The same month as the Power Glove controller and accessory, ding, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It, the Wizard was an ad for, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Nintendo. <laughs> it was an ad for Super Mario Bros. 3, which was going to come out in a couple of months after that. Uh, and it was a big ol' ad for the Power Glove because there's this scene where the main characters meet this kid, Lucas Lucas Barton. Who is going to? He's the the main antagonist, basically. He was going to kick this kid's ass at the video game, you know, competition. His guy is so cool that he has he has his whole Nintendo entourage all around him. He has all his little minion children who like set up his Nintendo for him and just sit and watch him play it. And they and he has a power glove and he's got it in this big metal case and with his name on it. And it opens up and takes the power glove out. It, you know, it's the first time any kid is seeing this. Nobody's <laughs> heard of this thing, right? And he puts it on, he puts a glove on his hand and he's playing the driving game, Rad <laughs> Racer. And instead of just sitting there, you know, like some sort of fool or simpleton, a standard <laughs> Nintendo controller, like, a, yeah, like a, yeah, he, he's just holding his hand out in front of the TV, his, his hands in a fist and he's moving his hand back and forth. Like he's like he's gripping the steering wheel of a, of a Ferrari. Sweat, you know, and um, cool as a cucumber, this kid, the car on the screen is moving back and forth across the road, you know, with the movements of his hand. Everybody is just, is crapping their pants because like, what is this, ki- what is this wizard? How did he even get this thing? We all saw this and was like, oh my God, I have to have this to make <laughs> mm-hmm. me a god. And be able to control Nintendo <laughs> games, you know, with with my outstretched hand. Now, then, fortunately, everybody learns that the Power Glove is in fact available. It came out in December nineteen ninety nine. It was ready. It was ready for the holidays. Convenient. Well, Su- Super Mario Brothers three, which was at the end of that movie, didn't come out until April. But the Power Glove was available that Christmas and could be asked for, you know, that that moment. There was a commercial to the commercial for the Power Glove, not the movie The Wizard, which was a commercial for the Power Glove. But the actual, the commercial for the Power Glove, it's the most amazing thing in the world, by the way. Again, it shows, that, first of all, it just skips right past children and just comes to a man. It's just There's just a man walks out. And he walks out, not to a television, but to a massive projector screen in the dark. And he walks up to this big projector on which like Mike Tyson's punch out is is being projected and he's got the power glove on and he just stands in front of this projector just throwing <laughs> haymakers, you know, pow, pow, pow. And he <laughs> socks the guy in the face and, you know, beats Mike Tyson with the, with the power. I mean, it makes it look incredible. And then it's just like, everything else is child's play. Wow. So yeah, it's a, it's a glove that you put on, it goes up over your hand and then like halfway up your forearm and it's like a black cloth glove, but then on top of it, big plastic part on top of your hand, and then on the forearm part, it's a little mini keyboard <laughs> full of buttons. There's a Nintendo oh. D-pad, a directional pad. You're supposed to reach over with your left hand and like punch in uh, calibration and codes and stuff like that, like on on your right hand, which even just the act of doing it, because we see Lucas do that in The Wizard, that it, in and of itself is part of the appeal of this whole thing. Like I've got totally. this keyboard on my hand and I'm like yeah. typing do, out of other hand. Do, 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 do. Yeah. The thing is, the actual Power Glove experience as many people found out, it was just this very, very early, very fiddly, very low fidelity, like motion control and finger control sort of technology. And if you actually tried to play Mike Tyson's Punch Out <laughs> by going, you know, with your waving your fist, punching it up in the air, not much was really going to happen. You know what I mean? You really had to have very, you know, little <laughs> controlled movements that it could sense it. it. It turned out to be this very, very quick, very flash in the pan fad. It sold for that 89 holiday season, and that was basically it. The thing is, though, it, it has just had this afterlife. As this icon of the 8-bit gaming in the 1980s culture, it was, it was in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It was in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, where Freddy, <laughs> wow. like, there's a sequence where Freddy, like, uses a power glove instead of his usual Nike glove thing.
0: Um, <laughs> what? Uh, I do not remember uh, often, that. I don't think I made it that far in the series. <laughs> watch watch <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. You'll see it. Um you know, people wear it like Halloween costumes You know, there's this Power Glove branded Oven mitts you can you. Can I off. just My saw that, mother, I just saw that
0: somewhere on the internet That's smart. Yeah, yeah. Those
2: are really popular, they probably made more of those than the actual like Power Glove I mean, it's just, it looks cool as hell Like what it lacked in basic functionality If you look at a Power Glove controller It looks incredibly futuristic Oh yeah cool, it's cool emblematic Well, control. And also
0: like, I mean, any I feel like anyone who's ever played any kind of sport Where you have like a uniform Like when you're putting that uniform on You feel so cool and like you're putting on you're (laughs) like putting on your nintendo uniform you're like i'm getting ready to get ready yeah yeah exactly
2: exactly (laughs) i started looking into well where did the power glove actually come from and it has this really interesting backstory in the sense of like how it was designed and where it was birthed from um and who it was connected to (laughs) so in the in the early 80s there was an engineer his name was thomas zimmerman and he was doing a lot of thinking about like gestural control. He was thinking about, like, orchestra conductors. He he liked to, oh, okay. you know, like the air conducting mm. orchestra, and he's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could control a computer by by moving your hand around? Like, like a theremin. Yeah. yeah. And he actually, on his own, came up with a prototype using LEDs and optical sensors and, like, a, a standard, like, a gardening glove. And he kind of put, like, LEDs into tubes. And so when you bend the fingers, it refracted the light. And then he had optical sensors at the end ah. to see how much light was coming through. Then he knew what fingers you were bending. So he's like, he put that prototype together. And he ends up uh, actually getting a job at Atari in 1983. Oh. And Atari offers him $10,000 for his patent. And he's like, no. That's no. too little, Too late. <laughs> He's like this is big, and he ends up meeting another guy working at Atari, and this guy's name is Jaron Lanier. Jaron Jaron Lanier, and you might have heard of Jaron Lanier. Jaron Lanier is the guy who invented the term virtual reality.
0: Oh. he is the person who oh. coined it.
2: He, he is a he is a a very well known figure in that space. You know, been an engineer for a very long time, very well known as having come up with the term virtual reality. The two of them. They leave Atari, they found a company called VPL Research, and they turn Zimmerman's idea into a product, we can, into a, a, a product you can actually buy called the Data Glove. And actually, Data Glove now has become, it's become like a, a generic term for like a, a gestural control glove. Mm. Like it's oh, glove. interesting. But that's based on, yeah. they call it the Data Glove. Costs about nine thousand dollars. Um, they did it with fiber optic bundles, basically, and they could they could detect movements. They could detect where your fingers, how your fingers were bent, and also like the positioning of your hand. They were also the first company around the same time. They they started just doing virtual reality stuff, like early virtual reality stuff. They were the first company to actually like manufacture and sell like as a consumer product. You could buy a VR headset. Ah.
0: Um,
2: and they called it. Whoa. This is in this is in the the 80s, right? They called it uh, the iPhone. E-Y-E. <laughs> oh, no! iPhone. Yep. <laughs> you could buy this stuff from them if you had like $200,000 because like you also needed a, a state-of-the-art silicon graphics computer. <laughs> right. To, like do yeah, anything yeah, yeah, with yeah. it. But like yeah, they yeah. built them for NASA. Like NASA, you know, they they built like VR stuff for for NASA that like, oh, we want to try this out. Yeah. Potentially like astronauts uh, controlling stuff in space mm-hmm. too. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe this would be good for that. So, okay, you got this $200,000 super futuristic setup, like NASA has one, you know, people are getting, starting to get very excited about virtual reality in the late 80s. And then there is a toy licensing company called AGE that comes, comes kind of knocking around and they're like, we want to turn your $200,000 VR tech into a toy, we want to license it and make it a toy. <laughs> and they're like, okay, give us money, right? Like, yeah, it's fine. Okay. And then, so then AGE starts to go to the toy companies to start telling them, like, oh, we want to do, we we have the license to the data glove.
1: Oh, I see. And we're
2: going to make a toy version of it. They end up selling the, the uh, Mattel, the toy company Mattel, which made the Power Glove. They kind of sold them on this idea. What they actually did was they, they took a data glove, $9,000 data glove, hooked it up to the $100 Nintendo Entertainment <laughs> System they let the CEO of Mattel play the first guy on Punch-Out, Glass Joe, (laughs) with the data glove. Now, if you know anything about the first guy on Punch-Out, Glass Joe, it is that you almost can't lose, like literally just as long as you are hitting buttons and throwing punches, like you will knock this guy out. So the CEO of Mattel doesn't really play a lot of video games, takes the data glove, just starts punching the air, and knocks out Glass Joe and is so excited about this, she is like, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. Amazing. You know, it takes the, wonderful work. Uh, I assume you'll work out all the details. I don't know. But then it's like, okay, well, oops. Like AGE went to Mattel and told them that they can take this $10,000 piece of incredibly futuristic NASA hardware and turn it into an into an, a Nintendo Entertainment System accessory that Mattel can sell for a hundred bucks. <laughs> and when Mattel's gonna sell this for a hundred bucks, that means that the, the cost of goods to make the gloves exactly. has got to be like like 20 bucks. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Less than the it price. can't even
2: be had it has to be like a quarter to a fifth of what the final after the wholesalers after everything, right? And the crazy part of this is that they did it. They actually came up with a way to do it. So they had to do two things. One, they had to measure finger bends. like are your fingers straight? are they slightly bent? are they totally bent? Are you making a fist? Okay, right? right. Um, and they had to figure out where your what the positioning of your hand was kind of like in, in the space in front of you. So finger bends they come up with, they used electrically conductive ink. They took like plastic and put the conductive ink on the plastic, uh, and then when you bend your finger, it can pass electricity through it. But when you bend if you bend your finger, you can cut it off, and then it's like, oh, I, I'm I'm getting uh, less resistance uh, now. Therefore, the finger is bent
0: because the because the contact point moves. Yeah, the
2: current is not passing through the ink. Right, hand motion, the, the or the location of your hand in space again, ingenious cheap as heck, off-the-shelf solution. The Power Glove, that has got a big, chunky, black uh, sort of nodule that sits on the top of your hand. In there, there's two speakers, audio speakers. Oh. And then you had to take the sensor bar for this thing, which was an L, it was an upside-down L-shaped, and you had to put it around your, your tube television, and you just sit it on the TV. In the sensor bar, at each corner, there's a microphone. And so the Power Glove is emitting an ultrasonic beep. The microphones are picking it up. And so the microphones listen for how loud the beep is. And that's how they know, oh, the hand's over there because it's louder in this side than it is on that side. And it is in the corner. Wow. Put aside for a second the fact that this is this is cheap as heck and super fiddly and didn't really work that well, it's kind of a miracle that they were able to
0: engineer and figure <laughs> out how to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. For like an everyday setup. They're
0: taking a technology that is already kind of at the, the bleeding edge, maybe two to you know, ahead of its own time. And trying to make a subset of it that is itself also ahead of its own time. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And giving incredible.
2: you a, a, a toy version, like not even a consumer version of it, like a kid's toy version that kind of does the same thing. Crazy. One of the real problems is the thing would, would lose calibration a lot. Like you had to like hold your mm. hand and like calibrate it like every time you wanted to play a game, you really had to calibrate first. And then also every game used a slightly kind of different control scheme because essentially, so it's like mapping, you're mapping hand movements and finger, finger bending into button inputs. So for yeah. a game like a Mario type game, you want to like, you, you like lift your hand up to make him, make Mario jump, maybe bend a finger to make him run or not. All that <laughs> kind of, uh, that kind of interpretation that had onboard like computing to do that, but you had to type in a code for each game. And so there was just a lot of stuff that you kind of had oh, to I do see. before. Yeah. You had to put in the right code for the game.
1: Like
0: that, load up the controls. Yep. You have to use the. <laughs> this is, is <laughs> this is why you get the crew of children around to help you set all your <laughs> <Let's>, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Lucas, Lucas really had
2: uh yeah, exactly. He had it all planned out there. There was just a whole lot of setup and tweaking and recalibration and stuff like that. Like kids didn't want to do. Kids want to put the thing on and just have their body movements magically translated. If you're doing this, if you're doing a motion controlled video game, you want to be be having fun and energetic. You want to bounce around and move versus like having (laughs) to really stiffly move your hand in a very (laughs) defined area. Yeah. You can be more um, emotive and have more motion by holding a controller and jumping up and down or bending it back and forth. Yeah. You know, then you can't really with the power glove. The Power Glove was actually a big success for that Christmas season. As a flash in the pan hot holiday toy, they sold over a million of them worldwide. Wow! Mattel made eighty million dollars off of it, which is a huge <laughs> amount of money to make for a one Christmas season toy. And really, the, the toy industry is very seasonal anyway. You know, you make yeah, all your money yeah, off yeah. Tickle Me Elmo. One year, mm-hmm. and then peep, kids move on to the next thing. So it, it actually, like, it was fine. That was the end of it. It was the end of the power glove. Now, of course, it was not the end of consumer virtual reality. VPL. A lot of the things that their actual products that they were making, because they had the they had the the iPhone, they had the um, <laughs> the data glove, and they had a full body suit. And a lot of that stuff is actually their like commercial products were in the movie The Lawnmower Man uh that very yeah. early... I remember that yeah. one and people's wow. fascination with VR continued on and the, you know the stuff that we use today is really just the direct descendants of that that very oh, yeah. early work so it just the power glove just remains it's very interesting it was way too early from a technological mm-hmm. perspective but from a toy perspective <laughs> from a cultural perspective it was the perfect perfect timing for this very very early consumer VR tech that, yes, is literally tied directly to the person who invented the term virtual reality, which is, mm-hmm. which is crazy.
1: And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about the Power Glove barbie accessory recalls uh about the windows xp default wallpaper you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and on all podcast apps and on our website goodjabbrain.com. this podcast is part of airwave media podcast network visit airwavemedia.com to listen subscribe to other shows like the Constant, a science history podcast about getting things wrong. Um, <laughs> the Pirate History Podcast and Food with Mark Bittman. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. How's that boots hitting
2: you, Karen?